Okay, so, Boker uh, Tov. We're moving on to the 18th essay, second part of the Sphera of Malchus. So, might as well give you something into it, but we'll uh, leave it up on the screen. So, remember we said that Malchus is the end result. It's royalty, takes all the resources and puts them where they belong, which is um, in coronating Hashem. And that means all the activities are focused up just in that direction. So, uh, we've already discussed how the different spheros relate to different body parts uh, that was all said in the name of the Zohar. And the Zohar says uh, that the body part that represents Malchus, and there's really two ways of looking at the body parts. It's over the entire body, and then you have the face itself. The face itself, two eyes, two nostrils, two ears, and one mouth. That's seven, parallel to the seven spheros. So he says it is that of the mouth. Okay? Uh, why is that the mouth? Well, reason is, remember what the goal of Malchus is, is to put everything in the right place. And Malchus is that receptacle that holds everything. And therefore, uh, if we think about it, the first three spheros that were your thoughts was Chachma, Bina, and Das. And that was where major things are going on in the mind. And that really is the focus of all the feelings, emotions, and behaviors, and actions of all that. But yet, you don't necessarily have said anything about what your feelings and emotions were all about. And therefore, the, uh, it manifests, this tool, and where you're going to put it, manifests through the mouth. Because, as we'll see, thoughts of a person are unlimited. Okay? It's possible to think of things that are impossible. That's what dreams are all about. You can think about flying. And maybe in a dream you have flown. All right? That's all the mind. And, and the mind thinks of unlimited possibilities. I could be a, a, a big Torah scholar. Be a big Torah scholar. Or you can some think of terrible things to do. Okay? But once you articulate that which is going on in your mind, if you are sane, very important thing to know, you have to be sane for this. Uh, now that is taking that power of thought that's unlimited and you are constraining it in the boundaries of the Kli that you are creating in the Malchus. And therefore, you could, you could be thinking of all kinds of things. You could be thinking of a lot of uh, doing things not L'Shem Shemayim thinking for your own grandeur and all these things and the struggles that go on in your mind but once you you say what you have to say now that is where, where you that's the focus if you remember you have to assume that you're sane and honest that's the assumption we're making here people are not sane still tell everybody that they are the Mashiach right and it could be lying you could be purposely lying to people but if you're honest with what your concretized thoughts are, then that's how you're going to bring out the malchus. Because that's, you know, 
people will ask you, why are you doing this? Or what it, or, or on a simple understanding when when some when we mentioned this week when when a salvation comes. So what do you say? You say Baruch Hashem, and you, you say Tehillim like David Amelech does, and everybody understands that that all is coming through Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and it's reuniting Hakadosh Baruch Hu. So therefore, the mouth is critical, as we also know that the Melech doesn't have to do much more than the king thinks about a lot of things. What's best for the realm? But till he makes the speech, the throne speech, you don't know what he's going to do. And when he gives the throne speech, that's all you need. And if it's a, if it's a king, a monarchy, not a democracy, then it happens. It's like, it's not a question. It's going to happen. And therefore, that's the idea that the mouth is a very uh, royal tool. And uh, even, you know, in the, in the monarchy in England and whatever, you know, there's, there's a prim and proper way to speak. You, you know, a certain way you speak. You, you don't speak uh, nibble pair, uh, disgusting things. That's especially you're representative of Hashem. These things should not come out of your mouth. So the mouth is an important idea. And as we've said before, when we look at the Shemona Esrei, and we say that the first three spheres of Chesed, Kur, Tiferes, uh, relate to the first three brachos. And the last three brachos of Modim, Ritzay, and Sim Shalom is uh, Hod, Netzah, um, uh, Hod, and Yisod. So the question is, where is the Malchus in the Amida? So where's the Malchus? No, the Malchus in the mouth that's saying everything. That's the mouth. The mouth is the Malchus. Where is the Malchus? The Malchus is, is there. Because everything you're saying is reflecting towards Baruch to Hashem. So therefore, who are you talking? You're talking to Hashem. And that means any success that you're going to have is going to come from Hashem. Now, this idea of uh, the power of speech has all kinds of interesting and um, practical psychological applications. It says in Mishlei, if a person has worries in his heart, yashchena. What does the word yashchena mean? Gemara in Yoma gives two interpretations on how to say the, 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 um, the pronunciation a little bit different. One is yashchena, or yasichena, yasichena, tell it to other people. You have worries? Tell it to other people. Share your worries. Others say it's yasichena midaito, he should remove it from his mind. Interesting, two interrelates. Something's bothering you. Right? We all have uh, challenges. Let's say you have challenges in your marriage, challenging raising your children, challenges with Parnosa. So there's a lot of people keep things to themselves. Not good. Not, now, of course, if you want to insult somebody, you should keep it to yourself. Okay, but we're not talking, it's not everything that's in your mind you say, of course not. But there are certain things that really, why aren't you telling other people about this? Some people think that it's not Okay. Other people's business. That's well, in their brain. They don't want the cost of it. Well, see, some people think it's none of their business. What do you say? You don't want the cost? What do you mean by the cost? Uh, 
people know that you're not as uh, as great uh, as you are as you do seem, or, or people can take an advantage. Okay, so, so okay, so let, let's discuss a very good idea here. So the first idea is for people who love you, it is their business. Call Yisrael or Every Jew is responsible for another. Now, usually, when you are going through trauma or whatever, you keep it to yourself. Nobody knows what's going on, and they don't know. They don't understand what challenges you have, and sometimes they don't understand your behavior because they don't know you're going through anything, and they're wondering he's acting awfully weird, and you're not enabling them. Now, now again, I would never tell any of this if you have any issues. Don't ever talk to the media. <laughs> because they, they just want to use you as a tool, yes. rape you, and throw you in the garbage. They don't, you know, they don't care about anybody. They just care about making money. Okay, but we're talking about people around the table, friends, acquaintances, fellow Jews, and it is their business. It is their business. Because you know it's not your it is your business. Why? Because when a person is suffering. There's a good chance it's going to affect his avodah Hashem in one way or another. And if his avodah Hashem is lacking, then our avodah Hashem is lacking. Because we're all one unit. Call Yisrael Rebizel is that. Let's say the person is depressed. And there's something that's depressing him. So then what does he do? He doesn't go to shul. He doesn't, uh, he, he, he doesn't uh, do his mitzvahs with excitement and all. Whatever it is. But it's bound to have an effect. On him. So that's number one. Number two, you're saying, well, people don't want to be perceived differently. People avoid people who are having a hard time. Sure. It's just a, a natural thing. I don't, it depends what kind of people. Yeah. yeah. Not Ravari yeah. Levine, yeah. the tzaddik of Yerushalayim. Yeah. Tzaddikim, what do you mean? That, they don't avoid such people. People are uncomfortable when you uh, someone dies or something. They just, okay, they, those are not healthy people. People are uncomfortable to help others. Really, I would question their Jewishness. Yeah, no, that's why you have shiva also. Right? Because, because, yeah, when the shiva is, is everybody's made yeah. to share yeah. the pain. You keep talking about right? it. Right? And somebody who's not comfortable about, about helping people in trouble, right. they, they, they're not, not the way they, they should be. They have troubles themselves. That, that's, that's the issue. But uh, there's nothing, what are you going to hide? You know, there's nothing to hide, but always best to be true. Now, again, you don't necessarily, sh you're not going to share it with people who will use this to hurt you. Yeah. And we're not saying you tell the whole world. Right? This is not a fake book over here and all the Twitter and all these Mishagasim. It doesn't say that. It says you go to somebody else. It says, yeah, you know, tell it to others, people who love you and care for you. That's right. You have to look over. Now, there, so this Gemara is an incredibly deep idea in terms of, um, what do you call, um, therapy. And you don't have to go to all these therapies. You don't have to go to an expensive therapist. You know, it's really not necessary. Okay, unless you got really, really crazy mental problems. I mean, but I'm saying if you're an average person with average problems, you're not psychotic and that. You're just going through life, and life is hard, and it, and it hurts. All you got to do is go to a person who's a good listener. That's all. Who can show empathy, and you'll see why. 
and it and it really is is an an amazing idea that uh, so if this is the idea that when a person has worries and fears and he's in a situation of pressure and stress, you know why it is because in his mind and in his thoughts, that's where it's all coming from. There's no boundaries. Your mind has no boundaries because that's a very spiritual part of you. The mind, that's the highest level of the person. That's already, as we've said, when we're talking about the idea of neshama, it's even beyond the person. There's unlimited ability to think without any boundaries at all. So therefore, the guy feels very overwhelmed by the unlimited pain and destruction and woe unto me. Things are going wrong, and now our mind gets away with us. You know, we, 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 so to speak, lose our mind. Catastrophe. In other words, you're, you're making it what? Catastrophe. Yes. It's a catastrophe. Catastrophize. It's, a, it's what? We catastrophize. Catastrophize. You made up a verb. I think you made up a okay, word. it's a good verb. Catastrophize. You know, for example, you're, you're at a wedding. You're the one making the wedding, right? And the flowers from Denmark did not come on time. <laughs> okay. You know what that means? First of all, the money is spent. And the photographer, the whole thing, it's, it's the background and this and that. And it's, whoa, it's, the mind is just, whoa. Or, low or later, a person has a, a, a bad sickness. We're ready, ready to project. This is going to be terrible. This is going to be bad. I'm going to die. I'm going to this. And then I'm going to go to hell. I'm going to get punished. Whoa, you, you ain't dead yet. You're not even close to dead yet. The doctor says you got five years. Whatever. But we catastrophize them. Very good, very good verb you're using over here. So now, but, but why is that so? Because the mind is limitless. That's just the way it is. It's got so many neurons. It just goes all over the place. So now what you do is now when you start talking, okay, and discuss it with others, you are mitzamtzing. You're constricting all the worries into that little mouth of yours. And therefore, all the worries take on a different shape. Okay? And that itself will settle the person. Because when you speak it out, by definition, you can't say as much as your mind can conceive. And when you start saying it, you don't really want to say things that are crazy that your mind is thinking. Because your mouth is kind of talking into this world. And therefore, you're going to it, it, it focus, refocus, it decatastrophize what the mind has done. The mind catastrophizes and the mouth decatastrophizes and, and it really lets you know what is really the story. Let's not make it more, we're not minimizing, there's, a, there's issues here, there's no question about it, but let's not make it more than it is. Now, obviously, when, uh, and this is very important, you know, if you look at uh, a real king, you know, and, and this is, you see what's going on over here. You see what's going on with the media and everything. Exactly. They are catastrophizing everything. To see it, if you vote for a Democrat, it's all over. The world is over. But they make more money when they catastrophize. Yeah, okay, I'm, not, I'm not denying that. Exactly. 
that's the focus. But, but, yeah. but, but a, a person who's a real balsejo, a person who is re, regal, he, will, he can be confronted with a terrible situation. And he says, okay, so I guess this is what's going to happen. Right? And remember, there is Hashem in the world, and there's no such thing as a catastrophe in Hashem's world. Is it? Is it pop? Even, even a holocaust is not a catastrophe. It was a very sophisticated operation. It was a very sophisticated cleansing that had the Yad of Hashem to guarantee Jewish continuity. And if you say it, and you're using your brain, and you're focusing on the part that's the emiss, instead of letting it run away with you, then you can come to terms with it. And that's why, you know, what was very bad, people who went, now we're not criticizing anyone, obviously, but people who went through the Holocaust, there was two different responses. Those who didn't say a word, and those who talked a lot. At the end of the day, those who talked a lot, now again, talking a lot and talk isn't that talking. You're talking about it through the lens of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's very important. Because if you're not talking to the lens of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then you're saying stupid things. Because your your frame of reference is skewed. But if you're talking about HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then you can understand that you could frame a apparent catastrophe in something that's not a catastrophe. And that, at the end of the day, is what Malchus is. Malchus is when a person has gone through a tragedy and he doesn't fall apart. It doesn't fall apart. And you could see that when he speaks. But the way he will describe the situation, as much as it, the pain is there and, and it hurts, but it's never, there's no such thing as a catastrophe in Yiddish. This should not be our in our lexicon. It's not, I'd I, I, be interested you go online and see how they define the word catastrophe. What's the Greek origins of catastrophe. It probably can be like ultimate destruction. I don't know. I'm not a linguist. But how do you envision a catastrophe? Well, some people would envision what happened with that uh, little submarine was a catastrophe. Yeah, well, maybe because no Jew in their right mind would have done such a stupid thing. Whatever. If you don't know about it, then don't waste your time on it. Yeah, but that, don't, don't bother. But it was, you know, so yeah, for them it was a catastrophe. They got blown up, and there was nothing left for them. But there was nothing, nothing worthwhile they were doing either. So you get a catastrophe there, and certainly they didn't care about Hashem. They didn't think Hashem is that far down, two thousand uh, feet underwater. But whatever, so that could be a catastrophe. In a Goyish lexicon, you could have a catastrophe. You do. The fall of the Roman Empire was a catastrophe. Because it ain't around anymore. So in a Goyish mindset, you could look at things as catastrophic because you don't see any divine uh, uh, input in what the event. But if you have the Malchus, and you understand, we're starting from the Kesser. Kesser is God's plan. right? And the end is, it's got to bring out the unity of God in this world. And therefore, no matter how difficult the situation is, there's no such thing as a catastrophe. Again, again, if you look at the Holocaust from a myopic view, 
and you looked at it in 1945 before they. It was 1945. Catastrophe. Six million Jews got wiped out. It was a terrible thing. And what's going to happen with the Jewish people? Okay, now, now you look 75 years later. It was not a catastrophe. Tragedy? Yes. Loss of life? Yes. Not minimizing the pain and the suffering at all. But don't call a catastrophe would have meant there's no Jews left, and we're going to limp on for a number of years till we're nothing. Now, I would not call a catastrophic event that's followed by the founding of the state of Israel. How can you say it was a catastrophe? Again, people are going to listen and say, how could you not say it was a catastrophe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Catastrophe means, what can it? So therefore you had to have level. So who saved Yiddishkeit? People who had malchus. So again, like I said, like, like the Gedolim who came, they understood. They understood. They lost their whole families. That's a catastrophe. But, the le- but, but they could minimize, decatastrophize it and say, I guess Hashem has a different plan and we have a different challenge and we have to start all over and this is the reality that's there. And they could talk about how they love their, their family and they all passed away. But then, you, but then you say, and they died al Kiddush Hashem and it's all about sanctifying Hashem's name and those of us that are surviving have what to do to con- complete this idea of the Kiddush Hashem. And maybe Hashem wants us to renovate a, a structure that was weak in certain ways, and now let's fix it up and all that. And they're, they're no, they don't lose it. And they just pers- uh, persevere, and they continue, and they would speak to people with a belief that we, things can, can be even better than they were from before. And it's true. And they don't lose themselves. Those are, we call, royalty. Royalty doesn't lose it. And therefore, therefore real royalty speaks. And when you talk it out, and that's what David HaMelech was doing all the time. What do you think? He was saying to Hillel, what, what was he doing? He was decatastrophizing. For example, when he says, Mizmor Ladavid A song to David when he ran away from Avshalom his son. So the question the Gemara asks, it's a song? Your son rebels against you, throws you out of office, wants to kill you. That's a song? It should be a lament. And David said, well, after I sinned with Bathsheba, and Hashem says, I'm going to have to have certain suffering. So I wasn't sure who in whose hands would my suffering be. Would it be in the hands of a slave who would have no mercy on me or in the hands of of a family member who would have some mercy on me. So when I see that it's Avshalom, my son that I love, even though he wants to overthrow me, I, I see the Yad of Hashem. And more than that, said the Mephorshim, that when he saw Avshalom, and you have to remember, David loved Avshalom. Beyond. He was so forgiving of Avshalom. He really felt that he was going to be the next king. He mamish thought he was going to be the next king. And if anybody, like, what did Avshalom gain by overthrowing his father? Listen, your father's getting close to 70. He ain't living forever. Just take it easy. Right? Shlomo's a little kid. He's not, he's not a, a contender yet. And David, 
at the time. I guess he, you know, who knows what he was thinking. But anyway, it was so irrational for him to do what he was going to do. And it's like not normal. If you have a child that you beat up and you hit, okay, you understand to kill rebel. But he loved this child. How could this child rebel? So therefore, he said like this: This is so not normal. Only Hashem could orchestrate this. If you know, sometimes Hashem can let you go and say, "I don't care about you," and just let let the regular course of events deal with you. I'm not involved with you. Hashem could have said, "W, you sinned so bad. I'm not interested in you anymore. You've done such an unforgivable sin." I, I take my hashkoch away from you, and now whatever normally happens, it happens, and kings get swallowed up, and you're finished. But when he sees it's his son of Shalom who loves him so much, and his son is rebelling against him, he can only because Hashem is creating this situation. And once I know that Hashem is creating this, and this is what he's saying, Kiman was going through David's mind when he sees the his head is plotting. It's plotting. He's like, I don't understand. Imagine if one of your kids would have taken over the family business and stole it from you and threw you and put you on a desert island. And you gave him everything. How would your mind react? You help people. You help them. You take them out of the gutter. You help them. And what do they do now that they're in a position that they're considered? They go and destroy you. You're going to plot. Because that imagination runs wild. It's, 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 when you say, wait a minute, only Hashem could have done this. And then you say the psalm, Mizmor Ladovit, I'm singing to Hashem because now I, I didn't let my mind wander away to make it crazy. And therefore, it's very interesting. The Pasuk says, if you have worry in your heart, speak it out. The Gemara adds, take, push it away from your mind or say it to others. And it really is both sides of the coin. When you say it to others, that will push it out of your mind. What? The ish. When there's worries in the heart. Now worrying, now you could know about things, but you don't worry. Remember the famous line of Rabbi Nachman that yesterday is gone, tomorrow hasn't happened, so what are you worried about? What's, what are you worried about? Right now, we're sitting around the table. Okay, the bank says they're going to foreclose on your house. And, and, and the government says they're going to go after you for tax evasion. That hasn't happened yet. If it happens, and then it's bad, so But right now, what are you worried about? Right now. So if the person has what does that say? It's like your mind is, is, is running away with you. So therefore, just Speak it out, and when you speak it out, it will push away the daga. And by what? By speaking it out to others. And really, the plus is going to say, speak it out to others. Who could you speak it out? What if you don't have, let's say you have the, let's say you don't want to tell anybody. So you know what you do? You talk to Hashem. <laughs> Who is David talking to when he made these films? He didn't make a song, didn't make a rock concert. Oh, David is playing Psalm 138 right now at the main amphitheater in Hebron. No, he was just talking to Hashem and it was discussing this. And that is the, the tremendous malchus that he was displaying over there. And that all happens from the way that one speaks. So that's, uh, and that's how you put the whole package together. It's at the end of the day, you know, 
you know, Lahavla, 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 you know, the Emmy, Emmy Awards and all these things, and the winner comes up there, and then he, that's that's your moment of potential malchus. Lahavdal, I'm making it as an allegory. You won, you won the award. You know, you were the winner. You're the king. Okay, what do you what do you say there? Right. So if you're a Jew, you say, first of all, you got involved in these crazy things, but you say, thank God, it was all God did everything, and of God gets all the credit. So you know, if we look at all if all the wars that happened in Israel, if you would have just had the general say with the thank with the with the blessing of God, miracles we survived. That's all they have to do to be the biggest kid of Hashem. But the, but you see the problem is they got a lot of things on their mind. It's not just we won the war. How do I take advantage of this politically that I can be the prime minister one day? I can have a chashmer job one day. And sometimes the worries aren't necessarily bad things. You're worried, how am I going to capitalize? How am I going to monetize this situation? And there you get into all kinds of crazy places. And then the mouth is using all kinds of lies that are coming out. And then you're taking away the throne. You're rebelling against Hashem. And that same mouth that can coronate Hashem, what is the corruption of it? Corruption is that you're the king. And now you take all of that and take it for yourself all the covenant for yourself, which is not a good thing. That's why Shabbos is the Malchus. Shabbos is the Malchus. Shabbos is a day where we de-catastrophize our lives. That's what Shabbos is for. Friday, you try to bring it down, and, that's, and what do you do on Shabbos? You do a lot of talking to Hashem. You dive more on Shabbos than any other day. You sing Zmiros. A lot of pet, the mouth. Learning Torah, it's a mouth day, but not for frivolities. And that's when you speak it all out. And now, all those problems that seem so big, you speak them out on Shabbos, say this Miros, uh, give you praises and all these things. <coughs> so whatever it seems, it can't be that bad. And it's just my next mission as an ambassador for us. Okay, we'll stop it over there. Yeshukayef, everybody. Have a very decastrophe. Yeah. 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 Yeah.